If you would turn with me to our scripture lesson for today from, the, from Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. This um, message begins with a quiz. It hasn't been that long since I was here. Do you recall what I preached the last time I was here? Oh, come on. Sure, sure you do. I mean, it should have been the first thing on your mind, right? Now, the last time I was here, I preached from Acts 9, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle. And in our lesson tonight, we will see the beginning of Paul's testimony about his conversion. So, Galatians chapter 1 from the first verse, this is the word of God. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, for, um, for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel unto you uh, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased man, I should yet be the servant. I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversion in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto, um, unto Damascus. But after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, 
I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Thus far the reading of God's word may add his blessing to it. A testimony is a great thing. If you are a Christian, you have a testimony. If you don't have a testimony, we need to talk. But a test, and a testimony can be used in evangelism, in sharing the gospel. It's really a good way to begin often. It's telling what Christ has done for you. And um, in so doing, perhaps, hopefully, by God's grace, an appointment would whet the appetite of those that he would be leading to himself. Paul does that in his, his um, testimony here. The following chapter is a furtherance of his testimony. But as he begins, don't you love the way the, the letters in the New Testament start with them telling you who is writing from the start rather than you have to look at the back of the letter to see who 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 is writing and, and the little sweet things that are said, grace to you and peace from God the Father. I, I just love that. I, I wish that we did that. But anyway, Paul begins his, an apostle, a sent one, a unique individual sent by Christ. Paul, an apostle. And he says, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. The central feature of the gospel is right there in his opening sentence. And he's saying that I'm, I'm an apostle not by the will of man or not by men at all. We remember his conversion. It was not his will, his free will to accept Christ, if you recall. He was persecuting the church and the Lord struck him down and brought him to himself. It was by the will of Christ. It make that the way the wording is there makes me think of first of John's first chapter of the Gospel of John when he says this in verse 13 our west back up to 12. But as many as received him to them gave him power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood. It's not a bloodline. We're not saved because grandma was saved. <clears throat> Nor of the will of the flesh. It is not that we're talking about a birth, just a natural birth. Nor of the will of man. It's not your free will, but of the, of the will of God. You're born by God's grace. Reborn in Christ. And so Paul says, I was made an apostle, not by my own doing, but by the grace of God. And all the brethren which are with me here, we're sending this letter to the churches. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world. And 
Two of the first four verses, he's given us the centerpieces of the gospel. That Christ died for us. He gave himself for us. And that he was raised from the dead. There's the gospel right there. When we give our testimony, it should never be about us. Our testimony is not what I've done. It's not a testimony. Oh, 25 years ago, I walked down the aisle when the the preacher gave the invitation. And I said, yes. The gospel is presented that way, though, isn't it? it? We talk about it often. We have from this pulpit about how we have... Too often a me-centered religion. Of, of, it's about us. It's not about us. That's not the case. It's not what I've done. Um, but we present the gospel. Take Jesus and be saved. Don't take Jesus and you won't be saved. So we say, well, I'll take Jesus. And we think we've done something. In, in the very strictest sense, we're trusting in a work that we've done. We made a choice. We walked down the aisle. We said yes. When we stand before the throne of God and He says as if He were to say such as the EE diagnostic question, why should I let you into my kingdom? It will not be because I did anything. It will be because you saved you died for me and you rose from the dead and all my hopes in you, not in me. <clears throat> to him be glory forever and ever. I, then he says, I am just flabbergasted. I marvel that you were so soon removed from that, from the concept that you were saved by grace. You, you slip off And we do too, into a works religion. All of us do it. It's our default spirit, our natural spirit that says, I must do something to gain God's favor. Even Christians believe, well, oh, I sinned today. Well, it's not going to go well for me today. Or... I really have been a pretty good boy lately. So God's going to be really good to me. Everything's going to go real well. And then when it doesn't, you say, well, wait a minute. I've been good. No, you haven't. You've sinned in ways that you weren't even aware. And I have too. We never, ever earn God's favor. We never deserve it. It's always grace. And Paul says, I don't see how in the world you have slipped off this way. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than which we have received, you have received, let him be accursed. Well, Diana knows where I'm going with this. I always come back around to my Mormon friend, don't I? I believe, unlike many, that Joseph Smith actually did see something out there in the woods. I believe it was a fallen angel. And how many lives have been destroyed because he believed that fallen angel. In their Book of Mormon, many of the 
writings seem very similar to the King James Version. And as a matter of fact, some large sections of the Bible are actually in the Book of Mormon. That was just where Joseph Smith or the angel Moroni were not very creative. They just copied text. But one verse really stood out for me. My friend had sent his daughter, had sent me a Book of Mormon. We had gotten into our debate, which happens every once in a while, about who's right and who's wrong. And I had written him a nine-page letter. And I had covered every point of the Book of, of the Mormon religion that I knew and every rebuttal. I, oh, I was real proud of myself. His response was, just read the Book of Mormon. And so they sent me one. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 reads like what? You can probably recite it with me. For God so, uh, for you, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? In their book of 2 Nephi, it says, For by grace are ye saved, after all you can do. If it's after all I can do, it's not grace. I'm trying to earn it. It's my works is what I'm hoping in and depending on. And that's what's happened to the people in Galatia. We know that from further in the book or the letter to the Galatians. He says in uh, uh, Chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should, be, should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? It's not going to continue by works. It's not like you've been saved now. You've got to keep it going. I, we, we were talking earlier when I got here tonight about, about the homeless gentleman that visited your church and how Trinity, we, when I was at Trinity, we, we worked with uh, in the food service industry with, with a lot of guys from Signs and Wonders and Friends of Alcoholics. And, and one of the the men with a really a good heart trying to minister to these guys said, well, we can get them saved now. We just got to keep them saved. <laughs> you can't do either. You can either save someone or keep them saved. It's all the work of Christ. And if he, you're his, you're eternally secure in him. Well, they have drifted off that way. And he says, look, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I didn't learn the gospel at a seminar. I didn't go off to where all the Christians gathered together and I took down notes and learned some program. I heard this from Jesus Christ himself. It was not anything that was taught me. But by the revelation of Christ, he revealed this to me. 
And I certify verse 11. In other words, I, I guarantee that it's the truth what I'm telling you. When, when I was here last time, we talked about how, how uh, Jesus asking, you know, it's hard, hard for you to kick against the goads. What, what were the things that were goading Paul, Saul of Tarsus before he was converted? It, it was those thoughts about the scripture that he knew from Gamaliel. He, he, there was something wrong. It, these things testified of Christ and he could see things in Jesus that he knew were fulfilling prophecy and they were bugging him they were goading him pushing him and he was kicking against it he didn't want to do it because he was hard-headed but when he was converted when the lord drew him to himself what did he do he didn't go say well get the apostles to explain it to him now let's get this straight I'm not saying avoid the church. And Paul is not saying that either. But he said, go and spend time with the Lord in prayer and in Bible reading. He's not going to give you something that is of private interpretation. The Lord is never going to give you anything that is contrary to this word. But the first thing a Christian needs to do The regular thing a Christian needs to do is spend time with his Lord. Spend time with the Bible. So he went to Arabia. If you look at uh, further in the chapter, uh, further in the letter, chapter 4, verse 25, he's talking about Hagar, but he says, and this Hagar is Mount Sinai, in Arabia. Paul went to Horeb. He went to Sinai. Just like Elijah. When Elijah needed to prosecute his case before the Lord. He went to the mountain of God. And Paul did the same thing. He wanted to go to the God of his fathers. He wanted to know the truth. And he sought him with his whole heart. He went there. We can't just start walking and walk to Horeb. I no extra charge for this, but I would encourage you to Google Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. It's absolutely fascinating. <clears throat> there are debates about that. I'm not. This is not the gospel according to Ben tonight. Was last time. But he went to seek God is the point. He went to spend time alone with his Lord. He did that first. And then when he came back, he went to see Peter. Spent time with him. Lived with him for 15 days. Don't you know that was a rich time? When Paul spent time with Peter. And Peter told him about when he walked with the Lord. Gee, what a great time. He didn't get to see everybody else, but he did get to see James, the Lord's brother. And then he goes on to talk about how he, afterwards, he started preaching. And he's been to Syria and to, to Cilicia. 
you see, our testimony needs to be an ongoing one. The first thing I'm struck by this is he goes on in, in the next chapter, like I say, to get, give more details about what the Lord's doing in his life. He doesn't make mention of that incident where the Lord struck him down and he was converted. Why? Because there's more in his life now. The, the Lord's been with him all this time. His testimony is a growing experience of the Lord. It's not just a one-time event. There are people, dear souls, that I know, and when you ask them, what is the Lord doing in your life? It, it's always they're pointing back to something that happened in the past. The Lord did a great miracle in my life. And well, what, well, Why are y'all getting on now? Well, I go to church. Well, yeah, but what about your relationship with God? Well, I go to church and I listen to it. Is that as deep as your relationship is? It needs to be an intimate relationship. He has brought you to Himself. He lives in your heart. Do you talk with Him? Do you tell Him you love Him? Do you hear Him when He says in the most intimate ways, You're mine. And I love you. And I'll never leave you. Not, not ever will He say, not ever will you know His voice or the sense of His being. It will never be contrary to Scripture, but He will speak to you. So, He says then he went, when He went to Judea, that people didn't know Him by His face. They didn't know what Paul looked like. All they knew was the miracle of God's grace in His life that he who had been persecuting the church was now preaching the gospel. Is that known of us? Do people know that when they're around you, they're going to hear words of the gospel? There's somebody who's been with Jesus. Will they, will they say that of you? Or will it be, oh, he's a good guy. I hope that's not all that is said of I hope someone will say, he walked with Jesus. I saw Jesus in him. Paul spoke of that, didn't he? The God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. When, he, when it was his time to reveal his son in me. That Jesus would be seen in me, living in me. That's what he gloried in. When, I think when he said, God who separated me from my mother's womb, I think he's speaking of two different things. Yes, he's saying that God was sovereignly calling me before I was born. That's part of it. Before I was born the first time. But I think he's also using it as a metaphor. He's separating me from that cocoon of Judaism in which he was raised. He separated me unto the gospel. I'm a stranger now to many of my fellows who were in the Judaic religion because now I'm preaching the gospel of Christ. To them, but I'm preaching it to the heathen, he said, to the Gentiles. And another place he said, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, 
is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He had fallen in love with Christ. There's no more braggadocia. There's no chest pounding that he's accomplished anything. It's all about the grace of God. So, when we go to tell our testimony, those factors need to be in them. First, that the gospel is in our testimony. Our testimony is not just, oh, I was a bad sinner and now I'm saved. That's the result of what? Like Paul said, that Christ gave himself for me and died for my sins. And he's raised from the dead. He's alive and unknowing. And by his grace, he has made me his. By nothing that I deserve or have done. That's in Paul's testimony. And it should be, as I said a moment ago, an ongoing testimony, a, a living, vital, active relationship with what he's doing in my life. He's, he's working on us in some way, maybe even inexplicable, but I know that he's in control and he's working it and I'm going to trust him in this. He's teaching me to trust him in a new way. There's, there's something going on with that relationship. And then finally, verse 24, that simple little verse. They glorified God in me. What a word. The people who thought I was their enemy They now know that I'm preaching the gospel and they glorified God in me who lives in me now. Our worship, our testimony should be worship and it should incite and promote worship in others. When people hear that you've been saved. There ought to be that joyful, humble sound of praise. God, I was lost and now I'm found. I'm saved. Jesus lives in me. And I have the assurance and hope of eternal life. Do you know him? That should be the exact expression that should follow. As Peter said, to give, an, to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Tell them what that hope is. And then if they say, man, how do you have that hope, that faith? Because Jesus, he put it in me. He's given me the gift of faith and repentance. To turn from my old ways and to turn to Him and trust Him for all things. Isn't that a sweet beginning to a testimony that Paul has given here? 
may the same be true of us. Let us all pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. That it was not just a one-time event. Yes, you saved us from hell, but you saved us for glory. You saved us for a life to save us from this evil world, as Paul said, but to save us unto good works for those works that you have foreordained that we should walk in before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians 2.10. That's the following verse that we would live for you, that we would be known as people who know you and who are known by you and are loved by you. May people see Jesus in us, revealed in our flesh, and see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven and who lives in us. And this we pray in Jesus' lovely name. Amen.